0: This word, anything, it would be the endless pursuit of a lover king. And some of you may know where that came from. And I'll I'll reveal it to those who don't a little bit later. The Holy Spirit in us compels us to want to share the word. If you see somebody and they're going through a difficult time, we've got the keys, we've got the answers, and you're compelled, it's the Holy Spirit in you that compels you to say, hey, look, there is an easier way. There's a better way. Try this. And it's not going to stop. It's not going to go away. The Holy Spirit in us, that's, thats everything about God is loving and drawing the lost unto himself. So 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. This is out of the Passion Translation. Proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it's convenient and when it's not. There was one time when we were back in Brisbane, we um, we went. Into, we used to go into King George Square and we'd go and do, we'd ask the Lord before we went in for a, a, a word of knowledge. And the first time I did it, I got a word of knowledge and we found the lady that it was for and it was spot on. And I was so pumped up, like, I was on fire. I wanted to go back the next week. Come on, Lord. And I actually did. I went back in the next week. Come on, Lord, give me a word of knowledge. Show me who it's for. Show me who it is. And I remember very, very vividly. I was walking past. I was a restaurant, and there was a guy sitting in the restaurant, and it was like there was a light directly over him. And in a quiet voice, I just heard the words, Tell him I love him. And myself, no, no, Lord, I need a word of knowledge. Give me a word of knowledge. And I kept on walking. Then There was an elderly couple sitting on my left and I looked down and the Lord said, tell them I love them. That happened three times. Eventually we got back to King George Square and there would have been about a dozen of us and we're all gathered around together and everybody's talking about their experience and I had nothing. And I was standing there and all of a sudden it was almost like the Lord just parted these people and sitting maybe 50 metres away under a tree there was a young guy and a young girl and they are busy texting on their phone or doing something. And I heard the words, tell them I love them. And when I did that, it was like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Excuse me if I have to sit down on just my knees. Um, so when I, I went over there and I scared the daylights out of the, the young couple. And I said, excuse me, I think I've got a word for you. And I just told them how much the Father loved them. And the looks on their faces, the smiles were incredible. It was magnificent. And I walked away thinking my heart was grieving for the three that I missed out on. Anyway, so then following that, last Wednesday, this is a bit of a testimony. Last Wednesday I went to work and I ended up being an extra. So there was no specific job for me. I was just sitting wherever I wanted to sit. And there was this young lady sitting down and I I went up and just started talking to her about what she was doing. And over the next three hours, she shared pretty much her whole life story. And there was talking, I noticed that she was saying a lot of stuff that was negative, especially over a partner and how bad things were. And she was, just continually compounding the problem. And I said to her, what, what would happen if you started speaking positive over it instead of negative? And um, she sort of looked at me as a bit oddly and <laughs> took it on board eventually. Um, now, I'm going to try and stay on track here. So if I'm looking down, it's, it's because I want to stay on track. So during the course of the conversation, she, she re- revealed that she's not a Christian, but she believes there is a greater being, and she's in sync with the stars, the flowers and the trees. And um, she knows, and she actually said she knew that there was somebody who must have created them, but she calls him Karma. And I said, no, no, his name is God. God. And then it turns out that her partner is a non-practicing Christian who maybe a week or so before said to her, I think we need to go back to church. I think I need to start reading the Bible again and go back to church. And then when she shared that, um, she actually stated that this meeting, this time was meant to be. As we were talking, others start and that, that was another thing, like we're sitting there and um, there was just the two of us to start with, but then I noticed one person moved a chair around and she's sitting just to my left, and then two more moved their chairs around and they're all sitting there listening in on the conversation. Uh, yeah, we talked for three hours and at the end of it, she stated there must be a God and his name must be God, and she turned around and, and said that um, she's going to go to, to church with a partner and find out more about this God. And it's so easy. It's like that that conversation, I, to be honest, I can't remember how exactly it came up. But it was just through listening to the Holy Spirit, I guess, and picking up on the little things that she was saying and just steer, just steering the conversation. And there were times when she went up, And she was doing other things but every time she came back she'd sit down and she'd pick up on the conversation where it was left off she was really keen to find out more about this god and about heaven and the creator ah thank you lord the harvest is ready and the people need to be told they need us to tell them who if we don't who else will and just be willing to take that step and I know that there were three more behind listening and none of them had jumped into the conversation. They were just sitting there listening and after, throughout the rest of the day there was no negative vibes coming from if you want to call it vibes, but they were, they'd listened and they too would have been picking up on, on something. Luke 19 verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost to seek and save the lost. Just think about that for a moment. It doesn't mean sitting down at home and hoping an unsaved person comes and knocks on your door so that you can start witnessing to them. We've got so many opportunities. So many opportunities. When we're down in Townsville just after the accident with Kimmy, there was one example where we were standing by Chantal's bed and I heard two words. No, it was three. Get a coffee. And some of you may have heard this testimony. But it's just the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you listen and if you're entwined with Him, how He can lead you to the ones who are ready. And I said to Sharon, So we need to go and get a coffee. And she said, Oh, no, there's a room around the corner. We can just go and get one there. They're free. I said, no, we've got to go and get a coffee. So we went down and when we came out of the elevator, there was a gentleman sitting opposite the elevator and it was a mask that he was wearing that the Lord highlighted. And I said to the Lord, if he's the one, may he still be there when we come back. So we headed off, we got to the cafeteria and Sharon said, oh, do you want to play cards, which is something we're doing. And so she went back up to Chantel's room to get the cards and while she's up there, I'm ordering some drinks and... After I'd ordered them, there was one detox drink that Sharon ordered, big red thing. And I walked back to where I was going to sit down and there was a gentleman. When I looked back, I'd said hello to this guy on the way past and he just said hello. But he had a blue gown, blue gown on, IV pole with a bag of fluids hanging there. And when I sat down and I looked back at him, he's sitting there with a mask on the back of his head. And as soon as I saw that, I knew he was the one, and I actually said to the Lord at that time, how's this conversation going to come about? And as soon as I said that, they called my name, so I went to go back and get the drinks. So I've got these my coffee and Sharon's detox drink, and as I'm walking past, he looks up and he said, oh, you're going to love that. I've just had one, and it's beautiful. You're going to really enjoy it. It's so good for you. And out of my mouth came the words, you wouldn't happen to play cards by any chance, would you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I've had a game or two. And so I invited him over to have a game of cards. And all I did, when he, when he went to sit down, he actually said the words, I've been given a chance, a second chance at life. He's just beat the second, had the second ca- uh, bout of chemotherapy and he's now cancer free. And when he said that, all we did was just told him what the lord had done to get him from to this moment to be sitting with us we told him the whole trip whole journey and he was a, he's a grown man he's in his maybe 60s he had a beard down to here but he was sobbing the, the love of god all we did was told him how much he was loved and he was crying he was sobbing and he and, and excuse me he had snot hanging down to his waist sharon had to go and try and find some paper towels to Clean himself up with. But all, all we did was told him how much the Creator loved him, who had a plan for his life, who saw him, who knew him more intimately than he knows himself. And he, it, it was like the Holy Spirit just came and dumped the unconditional love of the Father on him. And he's sobbing and he gives his heart to the Lord. That happened how many times, all up? Yeah, it was just so many, but the point of the, this is it is so easy. It is so easy. Oh, my notes just disappeared. Sorry. I'll get out of that and come back in. Technology. Okay. So this leads me to another testimony. Okay, bear with me. So my dad, This isn't my testimony, it's my father's testimony. And there's a lot of stuff I'm not going to mention, but when we were growing up, there were eight kids in the family and it wasn't a very pleasant atmosphere at all. My father was a violent alcoholic and it wasn't out of the ordinary for us to be lined up, belted, for no reason, pulled out of bed, belted and sent back to bed. And in saying that, there were things that were done to my sisters that shouldn't have been done. So to be honest, even after I gave my heart to the Lord, I still had a lot of unforgiveness towards my dad. And um, then an incident happened involving my niece. And the father of my niece put him into hospital and he was in intensive care. Now, I'm a Christian and my reaction was, yes, he got what he deserved. And that was it. That was, that was it. Oh, I washed my hands of him, the whole thing. I just didn't want to know him. When he came out of hospital, they put him into protective custody, so nobody could find out where he lived. Um, His name wasn't anywhere to be found. You couldn't, even if you wanted to, you couldn't go to a government department to find out. And not, to be honest, if any of my brothers, uh, or myself at that time, if we'd known, we would have just wanted to hurt him. And um, a few years later, I have a dream, and this is, how God talks to me sometimes just in a dream. And the dream was I was standing outside a a room and the room had a huge glass window and it was lit up and on the other side, in the window, in the room, was a coffin with the lid, lid raised up and it was my dad in the coffin. And there was a person standing on my left and he said, you could have told him about me. And... I woke up the next morning. I remember the dream so vividly, and I said to Sharon, "But you know what? There's nowhere I can go to find out where he lives. There's no government department's going to tell me." And literally, just not my problem. And I carried on. Maybe two, three weeks later, I'm pushing a patient into the one of the hospitals down in Adelaide. It's ten o'clock at night. And there's three parts to this. The first miracle was the computer screen is now sitting up on the bench, facing the door. And I'm walking in, and there's one name on that screen. And it was Stanley Wilkes, my dad's name. And I said to the admin clerk, is that Stanley Colin Wilkes? And she looked up, saw the computer screen there, gasped, grabbed it and pulled it back down, and she said, how did that get there? Next thing, she's typing away... And um, sure enough, it was Stanley Colin Wilkes. And I said, that's my dad. Can you give me his address? And she gave me his address. That's the extent that the father will go to to save a person. It wasn't because I thought one morning I wake up, oh, let's go find out. I want to lead him to the Lord. None of that. The Lord pursued my father. He knew he was ready and he gave me everything I needed to do that. So the, the morning came. It took a, about maybe two, three months before I became, I had so much unforgiveness and hurt in my heart. I had to work through that with the Lord before I could go there in peace and actually uh, face him. And when I knocked on the door... He opened the door and he slammed it shut and he said, what do you want? And I said, I I don't know what you did. I don't want to know. I'm not here to judge you. I just want to talk. Four hours later, my dad was on his hands and knees in the middle of his lounge room floor, sobbing, giving his heart to the Lord. And from then on, we we kept in touch with him for a good few years and he was honestly... I wish I'd seen my dad like that, if that had happened when I was a child. Our our growing up would have been so much different. But that didn't stop the Lord from coming and doing a work in his heart and in his soul. So then eventually we moved up to Queensland and we got a phone call after a couple of years and my dad was in hospital. He wasn't expected to, to leave. And so I hopped on a plane and I flew down there and I was sitting in the room I'd been there for maybe a day and the next day... And my dad, just to give you a picture, is he's about 45 kilos and he's laying on the the bed and he's breathing about eight times a minute. So he's got a lot of morphine on board. And he's legally blind. So his glasses were like Coke bottle thick glasses. And I'm just sitting there and I've got his hand resting in mine and we're in the room, only a, a single bedroom, doors directly opposite where we were sitting... And out of the blue, my dad sat bolt upright. Now, he didn't sit up on his own. His hand never left mine and there was no way he had the core strength to sit up the way he did. And I spun around and I looked at him and his eyes are, are like dinner plates and he's just glued to the door. And I'm looking at the door and I'm looking back at him and as when I look back at him, his face is glowing. And I look back at the door and I couldn't see anything. And as quickly as he sat up, he sat down, he laid down again. And I'm just looking at him and I'm looking back at the door trying to work out what just happened. And then he said, Wayne, Wayne, are you still there? And I said, yeah. And he goes, Jesus, I just saw Jesus who was standing at the door. I have no doubt. I know something supernaturally happened. And I have no doubt that he saw who he said he saw. He passed away two days later. And... Again, it was not because of anything in me. The Lord is looking for people that he can send, that will be attentive to his voice. And go, when he says go, it might be just go into that coffee shop. And if he does, do it. Do it because that may be somebody just contemplating suicide or whatever. That we can change. I'd like to say it's that easy, and in a way, it is. You could walk up to anybody, anywhere, almost any time, and just tell them how much the Father loves them. Everybody, every human being, longs to be loved. They long to love, and they long to be loved. And there's that opportunity that we have. If we'll allow the lord just to use us now when i was before i gave my heart to the lord i used to be under the impression that i'm a good boy and sharon and i we were both we're good people we we live good lives we, we're going to go to heaven yeah because we're, we're doing everything right and then somebody shared a scripture and it was john 14 verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that was a huge shock for us because we thought, wow, if I died tomorrow, I wouldn't be going to heaven. And that was possibly started our journey of seeking the Lord at that time. The lost... Need us to tell them the truth. We can't sit back, be complacent, or let somebody else do it. If we looked at each person in the room today, and then counted the number of people that you each come in contact with, it would be a huge amount. The opportunity is enormous. And then imagine if we filled the church—if they came and filled the church up. And then they did the same thing. It would be so incredibly wonderful. Thank you, Lord. The Father, I've put this in, the Father grieves for every soul that perishes. And when two days after Kimmy passed away, I was probably at one of my. I was at the lowest part of my, my, my time and I was driving back home and I was sobbing uncontrollably in the car. I was just a mess. I was by myself and out of the blue I heard the words, the grief that you feel for Kimmy is the same grief that I feel for every one of mine that perish. But the difference is you will see Kimmy again but I will never see mine i'm trying not to become emotional (laughs) but that's the reality of it and i could i'd never even gave it a thought how could i imagine you know millions of people perishing daily around the world the grief that the father's heart must carry it's just it's just i don't i couldn't imagine He will do anything to save a person. He will move mountains. And we may just be the mountains that he needs to move. (laughs) True story. If there's anybody here in the house today who doesn't know the Lord, I want you to know that you're not here by chance. You're not here by accident. The Lord has been at work for a long time to bring you here to this moment of time. This is your moment. This is your divine love encounter with the Heavenly Father. You may think to yourself, oh, I'm all right. I've, I've been coming and I've been doing all the good things and... But it's not that easy. Jesus says, No one can come to the Father except through me. And we need to re- grab hold of that and do something about that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. He wants you to know that he loves you, that he sees you and he delights in you and there's nothing you could do that would cause him to love you any more or any less than he does right now. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. He's seen every tear that you've ever cried And there's been times when you may have even prayed and those words have not fallen to the ground. He's heard every one of them. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. He sees you and he delights in you. And there's nothing he wouldn't do for you if he would send his son and his son willingly comes to die on the cross for our sins, is there anything he would withhold from us? I do not think so. I want you to know he has a beautiful plan and an incredible purpose for your life. But it does require one thing. Surrender. Just simply accept him as your Lord and Saviour. there's an open invitation to a wedding banquet here. And I really feel there are some people here who need to hear this. He wants you to know that you come as you are. Come to the banquet. Come, don't miss out. We don't know when the day may come or how close it is that we may take any one of us. I'm going to read a portion of Kimmy's blog, and she wrote this two months before she passed away. This extravagant act of an invested lover reveals a deep kindness in his nature that melts my heart and draws me near to engage with him. This invitation not only releases me from every kind of heaviness my soul has ever known, but it liberates my heart to begin to engage in the real adventure the endless pursuit of a lover king who has obliterated the power of everything that once separated my heart from his. This lover king who did everything in his power to close the gap, who saw that it wasn't enough to simply be with me in the flesh, he had to be closer than that. He had to make his home in my heart to be close in every moment and take care of me from the inside out. I begin to realise that nearness has always been his goal. Every move he's ever made has been towards me. A fierce intentionality fuels his every gesture. His motivation, simply to be near. The endless love, pursuit of a lover king. And there is nothing that he would not do. To have one person come to the kingdom, but he will not come against your free will. John three sixteen. For here is the way God loved the world, he gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. The decision that you make today is going to affect eternity. If there's anyone here, I'll just ask everybody just to bow their heads for a moment. If there is anybody here, your heart's probably racing and you're thinking, oh, this isn't me, no, I'm not ready yet well, I just want to cut off every lie of the enemy that would seek to stop you from surrendering. The best part of your life is about to begin. Is there anybody here who wants to give their heart to the Lord or even if you need to rededicate your heart?